Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host Fergal Trainer. Coming up very shortly is an interview I did recently with Jarvis Leatherby. He's the singer and bass player in Night Demon, but he's also involved in lots of other bands and projects. So we discuss Night Demon in depth, of course, but I also discuss with Jarvis how he came to be the manager of Visigoth, how he came to manage the band Satan, and how instrumental he was in bringing Sirith Ungle back to the stage in 2016. Uh, all this and a lot more is discussed in a very open and frank chat I had with Jarvis, and I really appreciate him coming on the episode. So thanks again, Jarvis, for giving me your time there uh, last week. But before we get to that, I'd like to cover off some news in the world of rock and heavy metal. So last week I mentioned how I was reading Rob Halford's autobiography Confess, but I said at the time that he had used a ghostwriter to write the book and that it still managed to very much sound like it was in his voice. Uh, After actually checking that fact out, I realised that he didn't use a ghostwriter, so apologies about that Rob if you're listening. Uh, The reason it sounds like it's in Rob's voice is because he did write it himself and it is his voice. So, uh, just wanted to make a correction there, but I do recommend the book. I'm more than halfway through it at the moment and it's an excellent read, brutally honest, and obviously Rob Halford's life is very interesting. He was a homosexual man, uh, the front man of Judas Priest, but in the closet for decades. Um, but also, he's very open and honest about his relationships with other, with other band members and various different people he met along his career. And there's some really, really shocking stories in there. Uh, one in particular, I was absolutely shocked by. Still on the topic of Judas Priest, when I was talking to Nesbitt a few weeks ago, we were discussing the contractual issue they have with Gull Records about the copyright of their first two albums. Uh, Sad Wings of Destiny and Rockarola. And I was saying at the time how I thought it was ridiculous that a band like Judas Priest wouldn't have the rights to their first two albums and they should just pay Gull Records whatever money they're looking for. Well, Rob actually clearly discusses this in his book as well and he talks about the fact that they've offered Gull money and offered them more money year after year to get the contractual rights for those albums and that Gull are being ridiculously stubborn and they won't negotiate at all with Judas Priest. So again, an error on my part there. I didn't realise all of that was going on behind the scenes but it seems like there's some very stubborn people working in Gull Records anyway. Um, And maybe it's the same people who've been working there since 1974 and they just hold ridiculously long grudges. Or maybe it's not the same people and grudges are just held for ridiculously long in that company. Who knows? But anyway, that's the uh, background story on that. Um, So, just moving on, ACDC have released a new single. It's called Shot in the Dark, robbing an old Ozzy Osbourne track title from the 80s. But it's very much ACDC and it's reassuring that they can sound so like themselves in 2020 when they've been going with Brian Johnson at least for 40 years at this point now. Um, It sounds like something that easily could have come off for those about to rock. But I did notice some interesting track titles when looking through the list online there recently. Uh, sort of a song called Through the Mists of Time, uh, another one called Witch's Spell. Sounds quite proggy if you ask me, although I'd be absolutely flabbergasted if ACDC whip out a prog epic in 2020 after, you know. As Angus Young was once accused of writing the same album again and again 10 different times and he said to the interviewer of the magazine that's a dirty lie we've written the same album again and again 15 times um yeah so uh, that should be interesting and actually none of the songs have the word rock in them which is i think must be a first for acdc there's usually about four or five songs uh with the word rock in the title so uh looking forward to that i think it's going to be released in november it's coming out on the 13th of november yeah um other releases that i'm looking forward to i've pre-ordered the new eternal champion uh, album Ravening Iron. So their last album, which was out four years ago, unbelievably, I think it's fair to call it a modern classic. Uh, the Armor of Ire, an excellent throwback sounding uh, heavy metal album, very much rooted in the 80s with its sound, but there's some really nice singing and playing on it. And 
Eternal Champion are a band that wear their influences on their sleeves, so I don't think they'd mind me saying that. Uh, but really looking forward to the Ravening Iron. That's coming out also in November, I think. Another release I'm looking forward to coming at the end of this month is the new album by Glacier. Uh, the Passing of Time is coming out on the 30th of October, so I've also pre-ordered that. So Glacier have been around... Not actively, but they started in 1979 and they had an EP, a self-titled EP that was released in 85. And since then, they haven't really done too much. Um, There was a few demos and a couple of singles and things came out, but they haven't really been active until very recently. Uh, A tribute band to the band Glacier featuring the singer uh, started doing shows at the various different metal festivals around uh, Europe. Uh, Michael Podribau, I'm sure I butchered that name, but that's what it reads like here, um, had a Glacier tribute band a few years ago, and then he decided to just restart Glacier and uh, got the blessing from the other members of the band to use the name. So it's just him from the original lineup uh, with four new band members. But uh, their self-titled EP is, it's not available on Spotify, but you can find it on the likes of Bandcamp and YouTube. Well worth a listen. Uh, Proper American-sounding kind of power metal from the 80s. And the first um, single from this album, Eldest and Truest is actually currently available on streaming services. Uh, Very American-sounding power metal, as I said. Really, really melodic and just excellent musicianship and really good guitar solos and riffs and stuff. So uh, give that a a listen if you're you're into that type of thing. But I'm really looking forward to both both of those releases, Eternal Champion and Glacier, coming at the end of this month and next month. Uh, Also, you may have noticed that Rabbit Bitch of the North do have a new album coming out. So as I said at the end of last week's episode, uh, the band had some announcements coming up. And it turns out they have a new album coming out in May of next year called Heavy Metal Rabies. Um, So they basically mentioned online that it's very much in the style of Rabbit Bitch of the North, but they've developed their songwriting and it features more dynamics than uh, nothing but a bitter taste. So looking forward to that as well. So that's just some heavy metal news. Uh, now I'm going to take you to the interview I conducted with Jarvis Leatherby very recently. Enjoy. Okay, so we've got Jarvis Leatherby from Night Demon here. Welcome to the show, Jarvis. How are you doing this afternoon in California? But it's this evening in Dublin, Ireland. Yeah, it's, I'm doing great here. Um, I'm one work day behind you, a full eight hours. Uh, <laughs> well, at least in, in the States, that's a work day. You know, I know you guys work, work harder out there, right? So, um, <laughs> Each to their own. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, no, I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, so you're, are you living in Ventura, California as well, or is that just where the band is based out of? Yeah, we're all living out here. Um, I was born in Los Angeles, but moved out here when I was, I mean, maybe not even a year old. So, yeah, we've all been out here. Sirith Ungle and Night Demon were both from Ventura, and we we reside here. So okay. we are the pride of the town. Yep. Um, so this is a, a relatively new podcast. This is just episode five. Uh, it's a spinoff of a main podcast I do with my friend. And uh, I was kind of planning this from around March earlier this year, but then like the whole world went into lockdown. And I was thinking, Jesus, will like if I wanted to get musicians on and, and things like that, and I was like, will anybody have anything to talk about, or will everybody just be really depressed, or will they just like kind of not be bothered talking about anything because you know they're not doing anything? And and I've started to notice on social media in the last couple of months, and um, just hearing about news from different bands, people are starting to work on new albums and work on new music. But Night Demon seemed to be doing it a bit differently. So you've just been you've been releasing singles every month now for about the last five months and i wanted to ask you um is that because of the fact that we're in lockdown or had you always planned to release your new music that way after your second album yeah um that was planned 18 months prior to the pandemic so yeah we always we we work about 
in that time frame, about eight, eight, 12 to 18 months ahead is usually when we um, start doing, I mean, that's when we line things up. I mean, we've never kind of been a band to be like, here's what we're doing right now. And then you're like, what's next? So, um, unfortunately this pandemic has caused a lot of things to move back and shift. Um, even now we have tour plans for next April through the end of the year. And now we're kind of being told we may have to move back to summer. So it's, I mean, it sucks, but we already have stuff lined up then. So the, you know, when, when the whole world shuts down and everybody wants to reschedule, we already have first hold on stuff because we plan ahead. So it's been nice for us. So it's like, instead of us rescheduling, it's like, well, it's pretty much canceled. And then we do the next thing we had planned. Right. Um, so, yeah. And plus, you know, I mean, with vinyl production times being so long to produce five, seven inches, we had to do this way in advance. It's not like we were like, Oh, pandemic, let's release a seven inch every five weeks. You know, we, we weren't, we wouldn't be able to do that. So, okay. yeah, yeah. That we had the plan. It's, it seems like a nice, um, a nice coincidence then because it keeps your name out there. It keeps you regularly in the news and regularly featured on streaming sites like Spotify and all that type of stuff with new releases. And it seems like to me, it, in my, before I knew it, it seemed like a kind of a, a nice calculated plan. It's like, oh, we're in lockdown. Okay, what we're going to do is we're just going to release a single a month and keep things right. going until we get out of this. But it was just a happy coincidence, like you've explained. It, you know, I don't believe in coincidence anymore. With this band, there are so many crazy things. Like I just, I believe everything is meant to be. And every time we get a step back, which we do, I mean, daily, I mean, my morning today was insane. Like just getting hit over the head with the hammer is what it feels like. But it's like, you know, <laughs> every really, I mean, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but like in every, in every bad thing that happens, we always kind of take a step back and go, okay, what, what's the lesson learned here? And what can we turn this into? And, you know, doing the singles, was something that the record company was not into the idea. We had to, we had to, we had to battle them for a long time about it. And they finally agreed. And, you know, uh, we were rolling the dice with this thing. And, and I had to go out there and say, look, this is going to work. And sure enough, right when the lockdown happened, we released our first single April 3rd. We did not announce we were releasing singles. We never did any announcement that a one was coming out. Every time we released one, we just dropped it and they sold out the day they went on sale. So the record company was happy about that. Um, you know, I mean, having a sold out single every time you release it is a good thing. Um, but again, yeah, we, we couldn't have planned it that way. We were ready when well, we were supposed to be on the road when all these things were hitting. And then throughout this touring, we started adding those singles to our set, right, as, they, as they're being released. But, you know, nobody was touring and our, we had the full attention of our fans when these things were coming out. So I guess that's a good thing. I mean... And there's way more to it. I mean, talk. I can't get too much into our full-length album coming up, but okay. there's a lot more synchronicities that have to do with all this, and it all seems meant to be. Okay. I'll say that. Fair enough. So on the outside looking in, it seems like Night Demon are still going strong, but I, I, I'm pretty sure you don't have a separate full-time job um, as well as, well, you're, I'm going to get into that in a minute. You're a very busy man. But uh, what about the other two guys in the band? Do they work separately or is Night Demon their full-time job as well? Um, it's funny. I think Night Demon was a full-time job for us for a long time. We were homeless for a long time. Yeah. Years, years. Um, but we were on the road so much. That's why it was our full-time job. So we have other side hustles. 
Um, we don't really rely on the band for to make a living, but we the money that we do make off the band, and we we just put it back into the band and produce more and more stuff. We're kind of looking at the long game of it, you know. Um, it's a nice situation where when the band needs something or when we need something, we don't have to go and take care of it ourselves. That's really cool. You know, whereas like most people in bands, you want a new guitar, you got to save your money and go buy it. Like if we want a new guitar, the band takes care of it kind of thing. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good business that, that put, that puts back into itself and is consistently growing. Um, now keep in mind, we've lost 90% of our income because we're not able to tour, but we're still here. So as a side business, Armand records, he's a, he's a, producer and recording engineer and he has his own studio and he's very busy making records for other people um dustin makes drums he's got his own drum company called thump drums which is awesome and he's got a signature snare drum coming out and i have a company called iron grip management i manage um Sirith Ungle, midnight visigoth <coughs> satan night demon and jaguar and um well jaguar kind of i sing for them and kind of help them out when i can um and I've also started a record company under Iron Grip. It's a cassette and digital heavy metal label, and we'll be launching stuff starting November fifteenth. So, so yeah. So what you're saying is you're you're pretty much a slacker. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody on the phone right now about all my stresses and like <laughs> like losing my mind. I don't know, man. I just love music. And I over the course of the years I see things that I just think are so brilliant. And I think these guys need something. They need somebody in these arenas or the the world is going to be starved of this stuff. And that can't happen. You know, and I, I work a lot. I work yeah. a lot, but, but I know, but I am, I'm a master to myself and I answer to no one. It's a nice way to be. So yeah. you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of the bands that you manage and, and performing. So, so you're the bassist and manager of night team and you play bass in Sierra Dungle and manage them. Uh, you manage Physigot, Satan, Midnight, who's an artist I, I'm not familiar with, I have to say. I know it's a, kind of a solo artist kind of guy. Um, and you, you're playing or you have played recently live with Jaguar. Um, I described you on my own Facebook page a while back as maybe the busiest man in rock. I think it's probably between you and, and Trevor William Church, the two busiest men in rock at the moment. But uh, I'm busier than Trevor. I'm busier than Trevor. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I I uh <laughs> I don't know. I won't say that. I I won't say that. I I, I want to say I'm busier than him. He's actually a really good friend of mine and we talk probably at least a couple times a week, you know. Uh he's really busy. You know, I don't know. He's he's expanding on some things now, you know. He's expanding on some things. I I've tried to look at business in a different way and do things on a broader scale and I don't know. He doesn't have a staff. I have a staff. I woke up this morning, brushed my teeth, had a cup of coffee, and then Haunt had released a new album. Well, listen, that's every morning. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's... Listen, I'm I'm jealous of him. He's a very prolific songwriter, and he's busier with music than me in itself. And I would love to get to back to that. I'd like to be... I would like to be in his situation. I think I've taken on a lot more uh, being responsible for other people's careers other than my own, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think that that he's doing it the right way and again i'm just i'm just throwing jabs he's a really 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 good friend of mine so like uh i love to be involved in the same conversation as him and like we i think it's only a matter of time before he and i do some some stuff together you know so. oh 
Interesting. So can I ask you, Sam, uh, you're obviously managing all those bands. Like, I know you were instrumental in getting Sirith Ungol back together. There was the Frost and Fire Festival. I, I mean, I know they'd been kind of getting pestered for a few years to, to play the likes of these European festivals. Oh, yeah. How instrumental were you in, in getting Sirith Ungol back on the stage? I think it was 2016 when they finally came back. Yeah. I mean, everything. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for me, it, it, it was pretty much just me, you know? It took a long time. It took a long time, but uh, I think I was motivated because people were telling me that I couldn't be done. Okay. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Like people that had offered the band big money, you know, and so I said, all right, well. Did those people that were telling you it couldn't be done include the band members themselves? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of doors slammed in my face in this life, you know, but never more that so than from those guys. You know, I mean, okay. like they consistently, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Stop asking me. Mm. Um, but, you know, with the success of Night Demon, we were able to show them that things were happening around the world with this stuff. And they kind of wanted in on it at that point. And I put the Frost and Fire Festival together and had all the members there just to sign autographs that the first year. Yeah. They weren't performing or anything. And a lot of those guys hadn't seen each other in decades and people flew out from all over the world to meet them. And they were kind of like, wow, this is kind of interesting, you know? So I think maybe for their own validation, they kind of thought they could have a second chance at it. And so I was more than happy to be the orchestrator of it. I never planned on being the bass player or the manager. Um, they insisted on that. So, okay. So I, like, I, I was reading an interview with Robert Garvin there recently and I, I, he, he was recalling that story where you brought him to the festival and stuff. And, uh, I was thinking, like, is that kind of to wet their whistle or, or almost like foreplay? And then, you know, once they get a taste for it, then they're like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, we have to do this. 100%. That was exactly <laughs> my... That, yeah, that, that's the whole reason why I, why I did it, you know? Right. Well, it, sure. worked. Um, it worked. It <laughs> worked. Yeah. I always try and have some kind of strategy of how I'm going to lure people into my evil web, you know? So... And so a lot of times it's unintentional, but I think, you know, if you really want something in life, you go after it. And reuniting that band was one of the greatest accomplishments of my whole life. I mean, really. Um, now it's a big pain in my ass, but, um, <laughs> you know, I well, mean, I, I don't know. They're, we're like family, you know? Yeah. So well, it's really been great. It's been a great ride, man. They only went and got popular again, so now you actually have to deal with that. Yeah, it's fucking crazy to me, too, how that how that is, but... I mean, I guess it's a, you know, first world problems, right? You know, <laughs> it's like, it's just, I think about that sometimes, you know, especially in the pandemic. It's like, well, you know, I still have a roof over my head. I still don't have to worry about food. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you just roll with it, man. You just, you just deal with it. But, uh, you, you know, those, no band is going to be around forever. And they weren't around for 25 years. And now they're in their mid sixties. They're not going to be around forever either. So I, we've got some big plans for the band in the next couple of years, and we're really going to slam it home here, you know, and solidify the legacy once and for all. I'm I'm happy with that. I have to say, I think they sound fantastic lately. I have that live DVD. I'm alive. Um, I can't say that I was a big Sarah Dungle fan growing up. It's only in Me recent neither. years. Me neither. Yeah. It's only in recent years I got into them, and I think Tim Baker's vocals are better now than they were back in the 80s. I don't know what it is. I think his voice has matured or something, and it's, it's deeper now, and he delivers the, the songs in a deeper register. But I thought, when I first heard their songs, I thought they were kind of a bit screechy or something. And I think the live performances now are more in line with like my 
kind of vocals? I think that, well, first of all, I'll say like, I wasn't a fan of the band for many years. It was for those reasons the albums, to me, were sonically shitty, like unlistenable. I could never connect with Tim's vocals. But the more and more I listened to him over the years, I kind of I came down with a real connection to the music. And I'm like, wow, I understand it now. And, you know, he's the cornerstone of the band. Without him and the band, this wouldn't be a reunion. And without him being able to still sing like that, I mean, it's like the most unique voice in metal. But I think like how you say you like his voice now, I also think maybe our ears have matured over time. Or not matured, but evolved. Where it's like, you know, you got to think in, the, in 1980 that there was nobody saying like, okay, nowadays, like young kids, like their first favorite band was already screaming at them. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. none of that, dude, I mean, death metal didn't exist. I mean, Celtic Frost didn't exist even then. Like, actually, Tom Warrior told me that he got, they got, him and Martin Ain got the name Celtic Frost from Frost and Fire. So that's where they got it from. They were listening to Sarah Thundle's Frost and Fire when yeah. they came up with the name. Right. So, there was nothing like that then. So these guys were way ahead of their time as far as that goes. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Um, so just just wanted to quickly ask, how how did you get into managing the likes of Visigoth and Satan as, and uh, Jaguar? And so, well, you said you're not really managing Jaguar, but Visigoth and Satan, you're also managing them. Did that Was that a gradual thing that happened or did you, did you offer your services yeah. to them? Or? Yeah, Visigoth was the first band that I managed. I think I think we were friends with them when Night Demon was a young band. When all these bands were young bands, we kind of connected at, either we'd play together at the few festivals that were around in the States or we would find each other on the internet we were booking our own tours and so whenever we'd come through salt lake city visigoth set up the show and they would open for us and it was great we'd stay at their house you know it was a total communal thing i think i want to say it was 2015 and i had not managed any bands at that point and we were in salt lake city and we were playing with them and they were talking about oh hey we're gonna get this guy to start managing us and we're going to get this girl to start booking us. And I was like, I knew who these two people were. And I said, man, this is such a great band. They're my friends. If they work with these people, they're fucked. You know, <laughs> like these are not. But they're, they're basically marooned in the middle of nowhere. Salt Lake City, Utah, there's no metal scene. You know, I'm from L.A. It's like, yeah. I know all the players. So mm. it's like, I'm like, this is really, this is going to be really bad for them. So I said, listen, don't do anything with these people i want to manage the band just give me one just give me a chance give me like six months well, let's make something happen just see how it goes just trust me on this one i'm your friend i wouldn't i don't want to see you go down this road it's going to ruin the band and then i remember our guitar player came to me like l the next day and he said hey yeah so and so from visigod mentioned that you want to manage them <laughs> and i said and I said, yeah, well, I just, I figure if, 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 if I don't step in, like bad things are going to happen, you know? And I was like, well, what'd you tell them <laughs> when they said that? And he said something to the, I'll paraphrase, but he said something to the fact of like, well, I, all I know is that Jarvis says he, he's going to, he, he's going to do something. He's going to get it done. So I, they get all started from there. Um, okay. With Satan, it, well, yeah, with with Satan, that that was a thing where we had become friends with the band. We had played with them like all over the world. We were ending up on the same festivals, and I was a big fan of the band. And their contract with Listenable Records was up, and they were looking for a deal. And so they asked me to help shop the band, and I and I did. 
and I got him a deal. And then they kind of took it one step further and said, "Hey, would you be would you consider man being our full time manager?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely, absolutely." And I've even tour managed them. You know, I've been I I mean, we went on a great run on the states, like ten shows in ten days with flights at multiple flights every day across the whole country. It was great. It was great. So it's just cool to be around people like that, you know, and like when you're guiding their career, it's even better, you yeah. know, and, and I'm, I'm the right person for that job. So 10, 10 shows in 10 days. So the members of Satan are considerably older, let's say, than the members yeah. of Night Demon, but they all, they all kept up anyway. They're the toughest guys you've ever met. I mean, like they go on no sleep and they're ready to hit the pub, you know, <laughs> the day of show. They're just like, when they tour, they're on vacation. They love it. And they just deliver. They 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 find out a way to not ever stress themselves out. It's really really it's it, it's inspiring to see. A lot of younger bands should look at them and stop crying. You know, okay. it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, Russ Tippins, man. I've had to one time I had to prop him up in the airport. I didn't think we were going to get through security because he was still so hammered from the night before. We had to get on this flight. It was like I don't know if you ever seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's. Just propping up this dead guy, and I like had to put sunglasses on him, and I was like standing behind him. <laughs> I had to put the ticket in his hand, and then put my arm through his jacket to lift his arm up, so that the TSA agent would think of his arm lifting. It. Uh, that was great, man. So oh, good stuff. Okay, um, so you mentioned you know festivals and stuff that you play on, and you obviously had your own Frost and Fire, which it's it ran its course anyway for the time being. But um, how important do you think? these festivals are to the metal scene especially in europe the likes of keep it true and up the hammers and and frost and fire when it was still active uh, to me it seems like bands have revived their careers over the last few years by appearing on these festivals yeah i think it's really good for the fans i think it's kind of better for the fans than the bands okay like the bands get a, the bands get a little actually i'll say it's great for up-and-coming bands but for the legacy acts, I mean, they get asked to reunite for these things and they see thousands of people and they're like, a lot of the people think like, all right, we're back. And they don't realize that like your whole audience is there, you know? And they've traveled the world to see and you. Yeah, you know? And sometimes the old bands think like, okay, now we're going to tour like these young bands and we're going to make it, quote unquote, right? And it's just not the reality of it at all. And it's hard for when you've been away from the game from the game for so long, you don't know the new game and it's hard to realize that, you know? And the other thing is there's younger bands that are outperforming the old bands so hard and writing better songs, in my opinion, yeah. and they're never going to be the headliner. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they're, they're always going to be like, Oh, out of respect. It's like this seniority rule that the legends go on. You know what I'm saying? That they're the headliner. They're the draw. And I yeah. think the festivals, more festivals need to nurture what's ha what's coming up than what has been. And yeah. I, I firmly believe that to have a future in this in this genre, that's what we need. And um, let me just say, the one thing holding that back are younger metal bands that don't take themselves seriously enough, where like they'll make it a novelty, you know, like where they they're a band that maybe the members were born in 1990. And they're dressing like it's 1982. And it's like, look, dude, like that's when you make it a novelty. And that's when you're just a copycat. And that's why people would rather just see the original band. Right. I think, you, I think, I think like with Night Demon, I mean, we try and have our own originality to what we're doing too and be ourselves, be our authentic 2020 selves. 
right? And I think that translates a lot better and people can buy into stuff a lot easier. Just because our our roots are grounded in traditional metal, I mean, we know we 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 touch on current issues. We know it. We know we know we're here. We're a band for right now, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, anyway, that's my thought on that. But I mean, the fe- obviously the festivals are great. I mean, like without the festivals, we need a place for people to congregate like this. And it's it's I, again, it's great for the fans because they get to meet each other and realize that our scene's not that big, but it's global, right? Yeah. And so with the internet, they're able to keep in touch with each other and go, you know, hey, let's go to these festivals. And, you know, the festival promoters are really putting a lot on the line to put these things on, and I appreciate them. And me as one, too, I've done the same. And by the way, Frost and Fire is not dead. We took a year off. And actually, I hate, I'll give you an announcement here. I hate to say this, but we were planning um, in February, we, we have a festival coming up, Frost and Fireland, Okay. And we're doing it in Dublin. No in way! Dublin at, oh. at the academy, we I rented the academy, all three levels. Oh my fucking um, god! You're joking me. But that is now postponed because of the pandemic. They've all officially right. told me as of two weeks ago. So I'm going to plan this February 2021. I'm just letting you know. Frost and, and Fireland. We're calling it Frost, Frost and Fireland, and we're bringing people to Dublin. Jesus Christ, that sounds unbelievable. Um, the only reason I, I, I was saying that is because I was listening to a podcast you did from 2018 and you were kind of at the time you were saying how it had finished and you didn't know if it would continue again. It might continue maybe and you might take a few years and try it again. So that's what that's where I was coming from with that. Uh, but Jesus, right. that sounds um, fantastic. I can't believe that that was on the cards. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah. And you were supposed to be well, playing Dublin in, it, it, in May as well, which was cancelled, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> are are you able to reveal any of the acts, or is that top secret? It's probably top secret, is it? Well, so I'm turning forty years old in February, and I was kind of gonna just do a. I mean, basically, all the bands that I managed were gonna play for me for Fuck. that thing. It was like the Iron Grip management lineup. So we'll see what happens in 2021. I I definitely want to get um, some UK and European bands on it um we'll see what happens i mean you look anything could happen now right <laughs> so but that yeah. was the lineup i was gonna do all my bands jesus so. christ i would have been there like a hot snot as they say over in dublin yeah right <laughs> i think a lot of people would have come in for that so. they fucking would visigoth in ireland night demon obviously have played here a couple of times uh satan yeah. wow that would have been outstanding um okay uh just moving on so um you're talking about legacy acts and that was a refreshingly honest take actually Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, bands are reuniting for these festivals. And you, as you said yourself, they think, oh, there's 5,000 people here to see us, but it's actually their entire fan base. But uh, Night Demon has obviously grown considerably over the last few years. Um, it's, it's obvious just looking at even Spotify or YouTube or anything, but obviously the gigs you're booking as well, like maybe you were supporting before and then you're headlining later on. And I wanted to ask you, do you, from interacting with fans and people, how do you think the band is growing? Is it is it true online? Is it true Spotify? Is it true constant touring, or is it a combination of all of those things? Touring, I mean, it's got to be a it's got to be a combination. But the most thing is touring and word of mouth. Word of mouth is still king. That's still king, you know. I mean, and that now that spreads to social media, you know. Somebody saying because I mean, if you think about it, we don't we don't really release we, we're we don't release music every day. You know, Trevor does that. And that's, 
Trevor doesn't tour every day though, right? So he releases music and it's good and he gets a lot of coverage that way. Yeah. Um, we're the opposite. We get we go to people's small towns, you know, where sometimes there's just ten metalheads and like we give them the show of a lifetime and they'll never that they'll never forget. And so I think for us it's not about the it's not about the numbers, it's about nurturing what we do have. And even if even if we only get one fan and one new fan this month, we, we definitely we do everything we can for them. We try and give a higher value than what we're paid for. And we always, always think about that. So that's, you can't monetize everything, you know, you have to just, you got to be, you got to have the peace of mind at the end of the day that, that, that you did all you could for the people that, that really support you, you know, like we're, we're like self-conscious, like we want to impress them constantly. And, and so that's that's kind of our our business model there. Okay, so you, you said something quite interesting on. I know you've done a few episodes for Talking Maiden, uh, but you said something really interesting on one episode. So you were mentioning about you know Spotify and and streaming and all that. You said now there's just so much noise out there. You really have to be special to break through. It's worldwide, but it's tight knit. And to me, that was a great way of explaining the appeal of Night Demon. So I've seen you in. Dublin twice but you played the first time you played you played at a fairly small venue it was um on the rocks it was called back in 2017 and it was it's exactly how you described like everyone was there to see Night Demon everyone knew who the fuck you were there maybe there's a hundred people there but it was like people were up the front singing the lyrics of your song so like a band from California can travel over to Dublin this is three years ago and there are maybe a hundred hardcore fans there so worldwide but tight-knit i thought was a very good way of articulating the fan base at the, the probably at the time now it's probably grown since then yeah i mean i mean what more can i say i mean you pretty much hit it on the head but um, you know i mean the thing is when we first came to ireland we had never been there and we made sure that no matter how big the stage was or whatever you know we brought our own lighting our own production our own equipment like we lost money playing those gigs, but I still hear from people that were there that it was like, they were really impressed by it. And it was, and they're like a fan for life, you know? So it's like me, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, there you go. But I mean, like, I, I, like, I can't like the money lost means nothing to me now, but I guess you're doing this interview with me because you saw us there, you know? So I don't know. I mean, again, I just, we're always thinking of the long game of life. And what that really means, like, what does it mean in the end? What does it matter right now? What's the bullshit that's going to pass? What are the difficulties that you have to deal with? It's fucking hard work. It's very hard, but it's very gratifying in the end. And there's a lot of spoiled bands out there that they have something major happen to them and they end up never being able to recover when they've had everything on a silver platter. I mean, how many one-hit wonders do you know from the 90s or whatever or the early 2000s that they can't even go out and tour anymore? They can't do it. Like, literally nobody cares. But they've sold a million records. But nobody fucking cares. They have no story. Yeah. They have no loyalty. This band will always be able to tour. Always. Even if there's 50 people in the audience, there will consistently be 50 to 100 in every city, and they will fucking be there. We can, uh, we will always be able to do that. You know, when we put out a record, we will always sell records. Always. 
it may not be the biggest seller, but it will be to a core audience that, that we, you know, we want to support them too. So we, that's the way we see it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I wanted to move on. Um, sorry, I just wanted to say that I, I discovered you on Spotify. Uh, that was my, my roundabout point uh, to asking you how Perfect. fans discover you. But uh, the word of mouth thing is, is very accurate because there's a couple of friends that I would share new bands with on Spotify. And then we get into the bands. And I find actually for all the bad things about Spotify, the algorithm in Spotify is, is spot on. So I'd be listening to something like this. Okay, well, hang on now. Yeah, let me interrupt real quick. You found us on Spotify, how? So I was just going to say, I'd be listening to somebody like Visigoth or a similar band. Let's say I was listening to Seven Sisters uh-huh. or a band like that who's a modern, traditional-sounding metal band. And then when you finish the album or you finish the track, it suggests a new song for you. And it would suggest a song like Night Demon. And I'm pretty sure that's how I discovered Night Demon. Um, because I, would fi- I was finished listening to what I wanted to listen to. And then it suggests a track for you. And I saw the artwork. The artwork jumped out at me straight away it was your first album i was like well this looks fucking brilliant and then the music started yeah, playing you obviously. Have good artwork. Yeah. yeah well artwork is just as important like i judge books by covers every single day of the week <laughs> and i think a lot of people do yeah um especially yeah. with music like but uh yeah so i was just gonna say the, the word of mouth thing is definitely true because I've, I've obviously shared my like of night demon with other people and then they've ended up going to shows and things like that as well so uh word of mouth is definitely important i think so I just wanted to move on slightly. So um, you obviously have an on-stage mascot, uh, Rocky, uh, comes out at all your shows. And to me, that's a, it, that, is that a direct influence from Iron Maiden? I mean, it, it seems quite heavily linked to Iron Maiden with Eddie, obviously. Yeah, I guess. And among, uh, <clears throat> it could be any mascot of any band. You know, I mean, like our idea to have a mascot was from the beginning to have that. But we also have Eugene, who's the axe murderer on the um, cover of Curse of the Damned, you know? So we have two mascots, yeah. <laughs> um, you know? So, but, and they both have a backstory that we're, to get it, that, we're, that we're telling very soon. So it's very in-depth, you know? Eddie has no story. That's true. He's Eddie has absolutely no story. story. Uh, do you know what I find interesting, actually? I'm glad you said that, because Iron Maiden do things like they release, um, let's say, the Legacy of the Beast video game. And I was only having this conversation with a friend a while back. I, I, like, I love Iron Maiden, but I couldn't be any less interested in the Legacy of the Beast video game because there's absolutely no mythology behind Eddie. It's just 15 Nothing. album covers, uh, completely separate from one another, no mythology, no story. So if you want to buy, make me buy a video game in 2018, it's like, what am I buying here exactly? Or like, what am I playing? It's, it, there's no narrative. Yeah, I thought the Ed Hunter game was actually better. I didn't play the CD-ROM game that came out. Well, it came out 20 years ago on CD-ROM. And like when Bruce rejoined the band, I just thought it was better. I thought it had way more of a story as far as like the scenery. It was kind of a first person shooter game, which was more fun anyway. But yeah, you know, it had like, you know, you're going down, you're shooting up people down 22 or down Acacia Avenue and stuff like this, you know, Um, Night Demon has a huge mythology behind all of our songs, the actual town we live in. All of our artwork, all of our imagery, and our mascots. I mean, it's it's vast. It's vast. We've written two screenplays already on, on some of this shit. I mean, like, there's our podcast uncovers a lot of that, but I mean, we we yeah. we are full on, and we are like, we are so focused on that, and there is so much more being built on that right now. And 
you know, Iron Maiden has a whole separate business entity that just focuses on, on licensing and merchandising and stuff. And they put out a lot of really cool stuff. But for all the cool stuff that you're going to do, there's going to be some failures and some missteps. You know, I mean, like they have a comic book series, too. And it's like, well, what's the story? Like, mm. what's the story? And it's like, it's hard to create the story when you've been a band for 50 years. Exactly. You know, <laughs> if you haven't done it, if, if you haven't done it yet, you know, if you have, yeah. it's like, it's not Steve Harris isn't writing the story. It's like, they're probably relying on some writer, yeah. you know, that's like, okay. And then making a comic book and, and to, to those guys, they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. We'll do a comic book. And then like Adrian Smith has a book that's coming out and it's about fishing. Yeah. You know, and I, like, I, I bought like, it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Or Bruce has the book that came out and, you know, I went to his spoken word performance in yeah, Zurich, actually, so did I. you know, and it was nice, but, but like, he, you know, he's got a book that comes out and it's about his childhood and about flying airplanes and like, mm. and fencing and, you know, he doesn't talk about his personal life and he doesn't really talk about the band. And like, I guess I'm not judging here. I'm just calling it like it is. I think a lot of money went into that video game. Okay. A lot of money. A lot of money. It's not cheap to develop something like that. And just like Metallica put $32 million of their own money into a movie, they didn't make it back. They didn't even make half that money back. No. But they may over time, right? That's why it's on all the streaming platforms now. That's why they're not giving up on it. That's the same reason why Maiden, on their social media pages, they don't, they don't talk about cool history of the band. They're trying to push the goddamn video games still. It's old news, but they're pushing it constantly and they're adding new levels and shit to it and stuff yeah. that you can buy. It's a never ending game. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I can't relate to it in that way, but they put a lot of money into it that they need to recoup. So like, they're going to keep pushing that and yeah. it's geared towards gamers and not music fans. Yeah. So yeah. if you're a Visigoth, your audience is more open to that. Because you have more of a nerdy gamer audience. If you're Night Demon or Maiden, put out a beer. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? I, I'm just thinking, as you're saying that, of Eternal Champion releasing a book. That's that's way more in line with their audience. Uh, Absolutely. And it was written by Jason Tarpey, who is yeah. the frontman of the band. And the songs he writes are are related to the story. I mean, yeah. it's that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. But, you know, hey, again, there's... Um, Maiden is a whole industry on its own. There's hundreds of people that rely on their livelihood, uh, that rely on that band for their livelihood. Mm. I'm not going to judge anything that they say. They've kind of left, they, they set the blueprint for us. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I admire them for so many things. And I don't know, I guess I criticize them a lot too because they're like the gold standard for metal, but they're just such an important band. They're so important that it's easy to pick. It's easy to pick it apart, you know. No, same here. Look, look, they're actually my favorite band ever, and I love them. But um, I was disappointed by Bruce's book. I, I thought way too much flying, way too much fencing. The only reason I bought Adrian's book and I haven't read it yet is because you don't hear from him that much. So Bruce is, you know, a motormouth, and you know he's never seen a microphone that he didn't speak into. Um, Steve, you don't really hear from, but Adrian, I think when you do hear from him, he says very wise things and very interesting things, but it's very infrequent. So I thought even if that book is 90% fishing and 10% heavy metal, <laughs> I, I will, it'll be worth the money, but I haven't read it yet. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I look, you'll have to let me know because I've got this new thing where it's like, 
I'm not going to read I'm not going to waste my I have limited time. I'm not going to waste my time with a book if somebody tells me it's that somebody I trust tells me it's not worth reading. But yeah. like and usually you usually you get the good headlines after it comes out when people when they're trying to sell it, you know. But no, I'm very I agree with you. I'm very interested in what Adrian has to say. To me, he is like my kind of like the third most important member of the band at yeah. uh, all at all at all times. So yeah, I'm 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 very interested in that. I read it. There's a very interesting bit. I don't know if you read Mick Wall's autobiography of Iron Maiden uh, or official biography as it was. Sorry. Yeah, I read it about 20 years ago. Yeah, there's a funny. Right. Bit. Is that the one? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's called Run to the Hills. It was released originally about 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Adrian terrible, terrible cover. <laughs> Adrian talks about coming home from being on tour. I think it was the World Slavery Tour. And obviously they've been on tour so long and he was getting so fucked up all the time when he was on tour. Uh, and he said, when you come home, you arrive back to reality and you don't, you almost don't understand reality anymore. And he said, he went to walk into his parents' house and he knocked on the wrong door. And I just thought, thought, thought that was fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so he knocked yeah. on his next door neighbor's house. So I, I'd love to hear more of that type of stuff from Adrian, but it remains to be seen if there's any of that in his book. Uh, anyway, that's, that's enough about Iron Maiden. Um, so uh, your first EP, to me, I think that kind of sets the mythology of Night Demon in place. Um, so that was released on, on Shadow Kingdom Records. But like, I think you're setting up your mythology. You've got a song called The Chalice. You've got your self-titled song. Uh, obviously, we know The Chalice kind of makes an appearance on stage these days. Um, yeah. And like to me, you were just talking there yourself about building in like mythology and stuff into the band. To me, that really set the scene for Night Demon. It really set you on the path of having some depth rather than just songs with no reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we set out. We never set out to be a full time band. We we our goal was to make an EP and a seven inch and call it a day. All that right. was it. <laughs> okay. Um, so those four songs you hear, we wrote them at our first four rehearsals, and on the fifth rehearsal, we recorded that. Right. Um, and the we just I just wanted to do the four best new wave of British heavy metal inspired songs that we could. And that's what we came out with. And we played one gig and then didn't probably talk to each other for six or seven months. But a year went by and somebody, uh, some of our friends that had it like on a burned CD said, man, this is really good. You guys should release this. And we're like, yeah, nobody cares. Nobody's going to care about this. So that kind of scuppers my whole theory there. But then was it a concentrated effort later on to incorporate all of those elements into your show? Like, I know you didn't, you didn't call the band Night Demon at, at first. Well, so, no, the band was called The Chalice. Then the band was called Ancient Evil. And then the band was called Night Demon with a K, like Night Demon, right. like, like Knights of the Round. And then yeah. it was Night Demon. Yeah. But that all happened in the course of the first four weeks of the band. So, like, as we, we just, I, I think my main priority was to have a, a self-titled song of the band right you know yeah, yeah. we need we need our first release needs to be self-titled and we need a song with the same name as well so um the trifecta right um night the song night demon from night demon off their ep night demon right yeah, um, exactly yeah black sabbath black yeah, sabbath black sabbath yeah <laughs> right or ancient evil ancient evil ancient evil it could have been that right um <laughs> But no, I'll say right from the get-go, when we said we're going to do this and start playing shows, the, the mythology was built right then, right then, right away. And the stage stuff started to evolve from right then. I mean, you got to understand, we started the band when we were 30 years old. We had been in many, many bands through our lives and had made many mistakes. And we were like, okay, now we have a chance to start fresh. What have we learned through our career? What can we 
try and sidestep the best to the best of our ability. And that was it. And we went out guns a blazing. Okay, and here you are, two full albums later, and now uh, a whole host of singles. So, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, you've been releasing singles every month, and to me, I've noticed even since the last album, Darkness Remains, I've noticed that the um, the songwriting on these singles has improved drastically. So, things like Empire's Fall uh, and uh, Hysteria, and Are You Out There? To me, I, I, I feel the progression in songwriting, even from the second album has come on quite a lot. Absolutely. I'm, I appreciate you saying that. I'm glad somebody else can recognize that. I think so. And I'm so excited to unleash what we have coming up. I mean, if you want to talk about a progression, that's like, <laughs> we're really getting out there, I guess you could say. But I don't want to write another heavy metal heat. We have that song already, right? Like, I think the challenge with Night Demon was always like, with every release we did, it was always like, we wrote it like it was going to be our last. You already hear a lot of diversity when you listen to our records. You don't hear a lot of songs that sound the same. You hear every element that's ever been in classic heavy metal, we've covered in an original way, but we've covered it on all of our records. And it's like, you hit a ceiling at a certain point before you start repeating yourself. For example, you brought up Visteria. It's like, there's a, not, there's a lot of next-generation thrash bands from our scene and in, and, in, and in our generation, you know, that are cranking out five, six, seven albums of, of classic rethought thrash. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not per se a thrash metal band, no. but we can do it just as good as any of them, I think. And mm. we said, let's just write one thrash song to end them all, and let's keep it under three minutes. That's it, and I, I have written you know? here at... Hysteria is to trash meets punk, so I, I feel the music is kind of yeah. trashy, but I think your vocal delivery is almost punk on it. But it's it's a it's a it's an interesting yeah. song. Yeah. Well, I mean, we definitely have a punk rock backbone, and we grew up in the punk scene. There was no metal scene here, so <laughs> yeah. um, that's probably why we thought nobody would like Night Demon because we were just kind of closed-minded and focused on what was around immediately around us, and didn't think we would get spread all over the world. Um, but yeah, you know, we that's why Night Demon doesn't release. We're more of a quality over quantity band. I mean, we, we, we never had plans to have 15 records. We want to release music when it's ready to go, when the world's ready for it, when we think it's good enough, and when we've had the opportunity to tour, tour the world many times over on an album to make sure that it gets out there. Because it's like, I think we've done a lot of great stuff. I don't think we've had a lot of missteps. I don't think we've had any, really, musically. I'll say, I'll say musically, I think we've been batting at a thousand, you know? And, like, we want to, we want those songs to live out there. We want to play them live for people while they're happening, while they're current, even if we have to have it out there for two or three years and keep touring, instead of just being like, oh, we got to put out a new record or people are going to forget about us. Or like, oh, um, we're getting more popular. The last record didn't get as much attention. Let's write another song like that. Yeah. Or let's write another album like that so that it could be out there. No, I, don't, I disagree. I disagree. Mm. I think that your back catalog grows. I mean, look at people discovered Maiden today and then they, they discover the first album today. It's still, it's still relevant. That's you know? true. That's true. And it, it is spot on. You're talking about the diversity of your new song. So you have the other song, Are You Out There, which released a couple of months ago, which is your tribute to Tin Lizzy, which has a lot of the yeah. hallmarks of Tin Lizzy's songs from the mention of Johnny in the song. And even the name of the song is, is a quote from Live After, not yeah. Live After Death, Jesus, Live and Dangerous, I think. Live and Dangerous. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, you out there yeah um so yeah and then you back that with a, a cover of the sun goes down which i thought was excellent as well thank you um i actually i think on the sun goes down to me i think that's your best vocals i've heard on record and i think it's because- wow thank you i'm trying to i'm tr- a lot of people say that i'm trying to top that on this next release honestly that's my bar i've set the bar there though yeah, but it's, it's so confidently delivered and, and you go into a very deep register as well, which you don't hear too much on Night Demon songs. Uh, so uh, I thought it was quite experimental for Night Demon. Yeah, thanks a lot. I've, you know, I've always kind of just belted it out, but I'm working on a, some more diversity now because of that. You know, again, just growing and evolving. So um, you also obviously now have the Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast. You're uh, several episodes in now, and that's Nesbitt from Talking Maiden who is uh, hosting that. So um, I know you appeared on Talking Maiden three times. Was Nesbitt just a natural choice after you kind of struck up the friendship with him and Josh to do this Night Demon podcast? We never intended ever on a Night Demon podcast, ever. I had mentioned to him that when they told me that their, their show was going to be done, you know, I got like pretty bummed. Because it was a thing where it's like every Friday that kind of set up my weekend. Like I would hear those guys yeah. and it would be like, oh, I'm listening to my friends. Even before we were friends, you know, mm. it was just kind of like I got, I got addicted to it, I guess. And I had decided, hey, you know, I think I might want to give a shot at a podcast where I interview. I just meet so many interesting people and I know so many guys from great bands. Like I, I would want to do that. And I asked Nesbitt if he would want to produce the show and put it together since he would be free. And I know he enjoys podcasting. And then he said, I got a better idea. Why don't we do a night demon podcast? And I said, Are you, who would care about that? I'm like, I don't know if we have enough things to talk about. And he's like, I'm sure we do. So I said, all right, well, let's go for it. And we spent a couple months in preparation for it and kind of started getting some ideas together. And we're nine weeks in and like, <laughs> man, it blows my mind. Like, I don't know if you've listened to it. I have. I have listened to it. Oh. I'm, about, I'm about five weeks in there myself. But like Nesbitt is obviously okay. the, king, the I, king. He's the king of the deep dive. But I mean, deep, these are deep dives. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, worth, it's, it's really been nice for me. I mean, to if this is a gift that you can't, you can't pay for something like this, you know? No matter how much money you have, you can't hire a professional podcaster and say, deep dive into the band with passion. You know, you can't do that. You got to love it. You got to love everything about it. And I'm just happy that we do have a story, right? We do have a story as a band and that story is evolving. There's a lot of great bands that sound good and have great songs, but they have no story. That's true. And it's like, you couldn't do a podcast, a weekly podcast on a band like that. And it just, I'm not going to say I'm surprised by this, but I'm, it's much more than I expected. And our story is very interesting and it gets more and more interesting. And like, it's, I'm just so proud of it. And to be able to have this stuff documented on our band and have, have a journalistic approach taken to it. It's not like the band getting together every Friday, getting drunk and going, Hey, it's Friday night. You know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a really well put together thing and all the people involved in it to hear everybody else's stories. You know, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful. I think, I think that this is such an interesting podcast on an interesting group of people that goes far beyond the reaches of the three guys in the band. And I would highly recommend it for anybody, whether you like Night Demon or not. I mean, it's really just a good, there's very, if you like storytelling, this is the thing to listen to. 
Well, I, I have know? to say I kind of agree with you on your earlier point. I was initially skeptical when I heard Nesbitt was doing a Night Demon podcast because he's previously come off, obviously, on Iron Maiden podcast. They have 45 years of history behind him, and, and Night Demon has maybe 10 or 9 years history. So I was thinking to myself, will he have enough to talk about? Um, but then he went into, like... The Hollowed Ground uh, song and that episode where he talked about uh, City Hell. And well, we, yeah, we haven't even done that Hollowed Ground episode, by the way. That episode is is like touches on the controversy surrounding what the song is about. Yeah, stuff. sorry. But, yeah. I mean, again, we never really broke down that song or the single artwork or anything. Like, there's gonna be there. So just like there actually is so much material that we, yeah. you know. So sorry, anyway, my, continue on, sorry. my point was is that when you go into the, the City Hall, then you had like Robert Garvin who, from Sierra Dungle who worked in City Hall in Ventura, California and all that type of stuff. And it, there was actually way more depth to it than I was expecting. And I was saying to Nesbitt recently, he was like, I didn't realize there was that, that much depth to your songs and your lyrics, to be perfectly honest. Like I, I, I said, I would have been more of a casual listener enjoying the music, listening to the songs. Uh, but I didn't realize that they were based on well, in that case, political issues and, and things like that. Yeah. So and, you know, I mean, and that's important to us to keep going with that stuff. And there is so much more story to tell, even the backstory and all the stuff we haven't even gotten to. We have a storage vault full of archives that we are unearthing. And it's great because I was always like, what's going to happen with all this stuff? And now we get to share that. It makes me lead a more interesting life from here on out, too, you know, consciously. We're filming everything now that we do and recording everything and, and documenting everything. And so, again, it's just so great for us to be able to tell the story of this band and have it all in one place. And it'll, again, it'll live there forever. And so if somebody picks up on the band years later or after we're gone, they can go back and, and get the whole scoop. Yeah, that's, that's actually great. It's one thing that I wish like other bands did was documented more or actually we're more generous with the stuff they do have documented because there's a lot of bands where you know they have stuff in the vaults and they're just kind of keeping it there and they're not doing anything with it so obviously yeah like, i don't know if i've ever heard a maiden demo ever yeah that's true that's a good point or or just a steve harris riff tape yeah ever <laughs> i know you know yeah or yeah. studio outtake from martin birch you know they're very there's a lot of stuff on under wrap on the cutting room floor, I, I suppose I think they might have more of um, a quality control concern. Just, I mean, that's me speculating, but like, just the... oh, why, why, when you're when you're when you're manufacturing stuff every month and you're reissuing the same records over and over and over and over and over again, but now you're adding a toy or like it's on CD or it's in a box or it's remastered, like. Yeah why not come out with the deluxe editions of those, you know? I mean, I think it's time. I don't disagree with you. You know, every conversation is always going to come back to this band, to Iron Maiden. You know <laughs> I don't, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, you're talking to the right person. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention, um, you, you mentioned another thing on, on Talking Maiden. You were talking about uh, how a Newfoundland promoter, you were talking to him at a gig one night, and he was saying, uh, drunkenly maybe talking to him, he was saying, oh, I have to get you over to Newfoundland. And... Um, when you went over there, I think the conversation led on to you where you play gigs in places and you don't know if there's quite a scene there. But when you get there, you find out that people come out of the woodwork and they come from all over to see you. And that's something I've noticed in Dublin as well. Like, I don't notice too much of a strong metal scene in Dublin, but when there's a gig on, people come from fucking everywhere. And you're kind of like, who are all these people and why are they wearing black T-shirts and hoodies? And um, do, do you attribute that to people traveling for shows or do you attribute that to, to just people are not 
very open or uh, forthcoming about their interest in heavy metal. And then when there's a show on, they just go all out and they just say, fuck it, I'm going to this. I think a lot of metal fans are really introverted. And the ones that aren't are extremely extroverted. And that creates a, that creates a gap in the community, you know? So, like, you think of the metal community as it's really 20% of them are just complete party ragers. They're in local bands. They're flyering. They're at every metal show. But they're also, sometimes those people are sometimes known as, like, the scene police. or like the, you know, the judgmental people in the scene. They're extremely extroverted. Yeah. And then the other 80% are introverted. They like horror movies and they read books and they like fantasy novels and they may like computer games and stuff. But the metal bands that they like, they've, they've gravitated towards the story of those bands and they'll go out and see those bands. Whereas the extroverted 20% of the metal scene will also go to punk concerts and go to other concerts and just the bar every night. They are such a big part, a driving part of the scene. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why that is, honestly. Everywhere I travel, that's pretty much the, what I see. Okay. That's, a, that's a, again, an interesting point because I'm always surprised by where these people come from. Like, just to use a, a completely non-metal example, um, and I don't know if extroverts exist in, in country music as well, but Garth Brooks was supposed to play a few concerts over in uh, Dublin a few years ago. So he initially sold out one concert for Croke Park, which is an 80,000-seater, and then he sold out a second, and then he sold out a third. And it was like, I, I was on Facebook. I was like, where the fuck are these 240 thousand music country music fans coming from like i, I couldn't name right. two i couldn't name two like but i think people you like you said people especially music fans who are quite into it are probably maybe a bit introverted about it but when there's a buzz or when there's a uh um like a groundswell they come out of the woodwork and they're like they wear it on their sleeve then right and if you're talking about a concert that big i mean those are people that go to can you still hear me i can hear you i can't see you but i can still hear you yeah, sorry. Robert Garvin is calling me. I don't know why. All right. With a concert that big, I think it's like those people go to, that's like their big night out once a year or twice a year, you know? Yeah. So I can't compare something that big to like a Night Demon show. I think that like, I don't know, man, we've connected with certain people just because we put ourselves out there so much in so many different areas and so many different channels. I think somebody, you're always going to get something a little bit from a little bit of everywhere. So. Yeah, I think that just the general point I was making is that like I have I've seen a few night team demon T-shirts around Dublin. But then when I saw you playing your show and especially when you were supporting Sacred Reich, all of a sudden there were like hundreds of these people. So I just I always find it interesting that these people just come out of the woodwork and uh, are there. I love hearing that, man. I love hearing that. Final point. Um, again, I think I picked this up from Talking Maiden. You were talking about uh, keeping in shape. You mentioned DDP yoga. So that's something I've done for years. Oh, yeah. uh, is there... I really? Mean, yeah, yeah. I've been doing DDP yoga oh, for nice. years. Yeah. <laughs> Since 2014. Uh, on and off now. But um, I wanted to ask you, were you ever a wrestling fan at any point or did you just pick that up from somewhere else? No, I wasn't. When mm. I was... When I was... I mean, in the 80s when I was young... <laughs> sounds fucking old, but in the, yeah, in the <laughs> 80s when I was young... You know, like the first, you know, I'd say like probably WrestleMania, like three through six or something or three okay. through seven, you know, like the the golden age, right? You know, the, the Hulk Hogan, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage, Coco Beware, hmm. you know, up, up, I, I would say right until after the Ultimate Warrior took the title, like okay. right until after that, 
right when like Razor Ramon started coming in and, and, and Earthquake and those guys is kind of when I checked out. But like, I would, I don't know. I think I was much more into GI Joe and star Wars and shit than wrestling. But like, I, I, I was a fan of it, but I was never a huge wrestling guy. Dusty, our drummer is, is like an insanely huge wrestling fan. So he, uh. he's way, way into it. No, I got into the DDPY actually from Dusty. He, he actually found out about it. And then, um, actually, no, it wasn't through him. I was in a movie called the bet, All right. which starred, which started, uh, was Roddy Piper's last film. Um, it started him, Jake the Snake, Diamond Dallas Page, and um, I think the the one two three kid was in it. Oh, but yeah, Sean, uh, Sean Waltman. Yeah, so I was in that film, and um, I had met those guys, all those wrestlers, and and um, sorry, sorry, it's and called... DDP with J- the bet. The bet. I'm gonna look that up. Okay. <laughs> Are you a speaking role or a background actor? Or? No, 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 no. I was just an extra. Okay. Um, Do you feature but, on screen? Uh, I think Armand. I think I think Armand, our guitar player, has a speaking role. I can't remember. I think right. he does in a he's in a strip club. I can't remember, but um, but that was, man. When was that? I mean, this might have been maybe 2012, 2013, 2012. Okay. So. So he had just come out with the program and he was all about it and he was trying to like show us the, the stuff. And so I got into it and then I ended up, he ended up developing a lot more and I got the app and mm. it's great on the road, you know, yeah. and it's helped my posture a lot. And, um, you know, it's not for, it's not yoga for sissies, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's very cool. I'm like, you know, I, it's just become a part of my life. It's not your mama's yoga, no. as he says. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Um, so, look, yeah, I'm definitely going to seek Dusty out the next time you play in Dublin uh, for a chat about wrestling. But uh, that's, oh, been, yeah. that's been great. Thanks very much for that. And just one final thing I wanted to say. Uh, I did hear you saying a quote one time. I think it, this might be hung in your office. And it's, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Hang on, hang on. There we go. So you're basically saying yeah. that, you know, people are busy and they, you know, they have a certain amount of things they need to do in their life. So if you're saying yes or no to somebody, it's not because you're busy. It's an either it's a hell yes or it's a hell no. So I just wanted to say thank you for saying hell yes. The feck of metal. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate the time <laughs> you spent with me today. Uh, so maybe you should answer that call there and go and rehearse with your uh, your side project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're actually we're actually recording. So yeah, I will do that. Uh, but yeah, thanks thanks again. Uh, good to see you. And um, you know, I'll be back there sooner than later. I'll look you up. I'll let you know we can grab a beer. Cool. All right. Thanks, Jarvis. I'll talk to you soon. See you later. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Okay, so that was Jarvis Leatherby there. Uh, so thanks again to Jarvis for appearing on the show. I really appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to seeing Night Demon whenever you make it back to Ireland, hopefully for that uh, Frost and Fireland, if that ever happens. That was fascinating to, to find out. And also really disappointing that it probably, you know, had to get cancelled because of the coronavirus. But imagining seeing the likes of uh, Night Demon, Visigoth, uh, Satan, all together on one bill, maybe Sirith Ungle as well, Jesus Christ, that would have been unbelievable, or will be un- unbelievable if it does happen at some point in the future. Um, I do have a guest planned for next week, I don't want to mention who it is, because this episode is going out today on Friday, and I'm recording this on Friday the 9th of uh, October, but my next episode hasn't been recorded yet, so I don't like to say who the guest is, just in case it doesn't happen, but I will say this, uh, he's from uh, old school heavy metal band that have been around since... Uh, 
for about three decades or slightly longer. And if you're into the, the, the like the bands like Rabbit Bitch in the North and Night Demon and Seven Sisters, you should like this band as well. And then the following episode after that, I also have a very interesting guest coming up again. I don't really want to mention who it is, but he's from a modern metal band, one of my favourite bands at the moment. And I'm trying to arrange that interview at the moment, but he has agreed to do it. So uh, keep your eyes peeled and ears something, I don't know, uh, for the next couple of episodes of Feckin' Metal, uh, because there's going to be some very interesting chats coming up in the near future. But yes, that's almost it for this episode of Feckin' Metal, but I would like to place out on a Night Demon track, so I've chosen the song Are You Out There. It was one of the singles recently released by Night Demon and is a tribute to the band Tin Lizzy. It was backed with a version of The Sun Goes Down, which is a really, really good rendition. Um, but yeah, this is uh, Jarvis Letterby on Night Demon playing tribute to Phil Linnett and Tin Lizzy, so enjoy, and I'll see you next time. <laughs> Should have answers that you know will set you free.
you to roll.